You're listening to Titan Internet Radio, broadcasting 24-7 from the library basement of California State University Fullerton. Chipotle check, check, Chimichanga, Tabasco from Chipotle. The views and opinions expressed in this program don't express the views of Titan Radio, Titan Communications, CSUF, or any of its affiliates. I mean, you can say what you want, be yourself, but just don't be it. Titan Radio would like to thank Golden Voice for its continuous support. Check out goldenvoice.com for a full list of events. If you're interested in sponsorship opportunities for Titan Radio, contact titanradio-gm at fullerton.edu or call 657-278-5505. Titan Radio. Titan Radio. Titan Radio. Titan Radio. Titan Hey everyone, it's Selwa. Hi guys, it's Liba. We are two college friends and your hosts on Couple of Buds Ready to Bloom. This podcast is where we have unfiltered conversations about our cultural and religious upbringings, how it has shaped us, and lessons we've learned along the way. Follow our Instagram at Couple of Buds Ready to Bloom for weekly updates and more information about how you can participate in our episodes. Hello, everyone. Salam and welcome to our fourth episode featuring our lovely guest host and clinical therapist, Sister Iman Saime. Today, we are going to dive deep into our past and discuss the idea of our inner child and ways we work on ourselves to improve and heal. Thank you so much, Sister Iman Saima, for being on tonight's episode. Can you tell our listeners about yourself, please? Thank you, ladies, for the invitation. I look forward to diving with both of you and our viewers and our listeners about the inner child, where it came from, what it's all about. But before all that, I want to say I'm a proud alumni of this wonderful school. I have my undergrad in liberal studies from Cal State Fullerton. And then I went on to to get my uh, master's in education. I was a school teacher for 10 years and then a school principal for five years. And then I decided to venture into the mental health field in earning my uh, master's in social work recently from Cal State Fullerton as well in May 2020. So I'm grateful to be with you both tonight. Thank you so much again. Thank you. So let me start off by setting the tone for our talk. It is, um, is it a, is it, it's a topic that we are hearing more about it recently with the rise of the mental health awareness. I just want our viewers to um, enter this talk with the understanding that it is done for, for awareness. It could be triggering. It could bring up past pain and trauma from childhood, from your upbringings. And I want you to handle the information with the understanding, this is for me to understand myself more so I can make better choices and enhance my life 
my lifestyle, my uh, choices of life, the choices of people I keep. This is the purpose of uh, tonight's talk. It's not in any shape, way or form to serve as a therapy session or to make anyone feel bad or broken. Inner child is a concept that each and every one of us deal with. Some of us are more aware of it than others. And today we're gonna highlight ways we can identify it, how, it's, how it shows up in our relationships as adults and ways we can heal it. And we'll go from there. So we hear about this idea of the inner child, whether it's on social media and we hear it in class, if it's a psychology class, can we get a deeper definition into what the inner child is? Very good. So the inner child is a concept, as I said earlier, not everyone is in touch with. When people connect with their inner child, it's because they're dealing with a problem rooted in their early wounding. Even if your inner child is healthy and happy, there is a part of you that feels uh, and reacts to life the way a child does. Everyone experiences this differently. The challenge is to know, accept, and connect with the part of your personality. Your inner child is that part in your personality that still reacts and feels like a child. And the inner child lives with all of us. It's a part of us that feels emotions is playful, intuitive, creative, and then there's also sadness and there is depression, and there's anxiety. Usually hidden under our grown-up persons, the inner child holds the key to intimacy in relationships, physical and emotional well-being, recovery from addictions, and the creativity and wisdom in our inner selves as adults. So it's really the makeup of who we are as adults. We get to look at how our upbringings and childhood and backgrounds shaped us to be who we are. And we get to see if it's serving us the way your mom raised you or the way your dad raised you, or perhaps they didn't, they were not around. All of that affects who we are as, as, as adults in our different relationships. It shows greatly in our intimate relationships with spouses, with partners. If some of us are, 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 are parents, it shows up in that relationship. And we get to choose differently from the results that we're seeing in our, in our, in our relationships as adults. Mm -hmm. So going off of that, how do, we, how do we fix our inner child? How do we figure out what our inner child needs? Well, the idea of fixing something comes from our assumption that that, that, that thing is already broken, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not about looking at ourselves with the lens, I am broken. Um, it's the invitation is to look at yourself with how can I enhance myself? Because when somebody approaches a project or anything that's, oh, this is broken, I need to fix it that fixing, it would look like you have to bring it from outside of you, but you need to really have awareness inside of you, what gets to shift inside of you. It's not something that you're gonna bring from anywhere else or somewhere else. Nobody else is gonna rescue you. It's something that you need to go deep inside of yourself and get to know what it is. So some of us might ask, is it even real? Is inner child even real? You might wonder that if it's real or just a, a psychological concept or theory, certainly it is real. It is not a child that's inside of you unless you're pregnant. It is not a physical child that's inside of you. 
What you need to remember is that although no one can see physical traces of your inner child, it is real. Most psychologists agree that your inner child is part of who you are as a person. And perhaps what we need to explore is who determines if that inner child is damaged or needs to be looked at, or is it healthy? Or is it bleeding in a way that is, um, you know, interrupting certain joy and happiness we can have as an adult? Well, we need to examine two things. We need to examine some traumatic events that took place in our childhood. And we need to pay attention to the messaging we got as, as children. And we all can experience trauma and messaging completely different than, than the other person. When a young child experiences trauma, wounds are created that must be healed eventually. Much healing can be accomplished immediately following the trauma if the child has a parent who takes steps to reduce the damage caused by the situation or event. However, if the child has no one reliable enough to parent them lovingly and appropriately through the situation, the wounds don't heal and they can cause problems in adulthoods. Therapy, as we're gonna talk about it later, is a way to reduce these uh, traumatic events and to process the pain from them. But I really would like to highlight the different traumatic events that some of us could be, have experienced and cause these inner child to be uh, damaged. Some of these um, items on this list might seem like normal childhood events. But if the child is left to deal with them alone, it can affect their developmental stages. Here are some of the events and situations that can cause emotional injury to the inner child. Again, I don't want you to hear this talk by you putting yourself in the middle of this talk and, and examining yourself as if um, you're gonna walk away feeling bad, absolutely not. If you have experienced any of these things on the lists for you to be aware that this event might have contributed to some limitations in your adult interactions and formations of relationships. So if you lost um, your parents or your or guardian when you were little, that is a traumatic event that could damage your inner child. If there was any kind of abuse or neglect, it could be physical, sexual, emotional neglect and abuse. If there was any serious illnesses within you or the family that you have always surrounded with, severe bullying, it could be that you were bullied in, at home or you were bullied in school and it was never uh, addressed. Natural disasters, war, earthquakes, anything that could have happened in your life. Well, war is not natural disaster, but it could be one of the things that you had to go through in, in, your, in your childhood. Family breakup, divorce. That, if, that hasn't been processed. We always hear that the uh, a divorced family, the kids are, are referred to as the kids who comes from broken home. They are broken if they have not processed and they have not had the, uh, the opportunity to voice their feelings and, the, and especially those who go between two homes because of the custody exchange. So that could cause trauma and inner child wounding. Being a victim of violence, uh, substance abuse in the household, domestic violence in the household, mental illnesses in the families that were not looked at and diagnosed, that could, uh, that could uh, bring on its own sets of stress and, and, and trauma in the house. 
being a refugee, feeling isolated from the family and feeling um, not heard. Emotional neglect, that means it's either your family were busy at work and you were not looked after, or your family were there, but you never really felt the love. There, was, there wasn't a loving upbringing. These are all different trauma that could hit people differently. You could ask, you know, you could ask siblings, how was it growing up? And they will tell you two different stories. So each and every person is an individual with their individualized experience, and they get to see and unlayer as they get older and they gain more awareness how these experiences contributed to them being who they are as adults. Now, the second part that I wanted to talk about, the different messaging that you might have had growing up that could have caused these traumatic events. So if you grew up in a home that criticized you from speaking up about your needs, you may have felt that, uh, that your survival depended on having little needs or not taking up space. You have learned to minimize yourself and your needs and not assert yourself. Now you might ask yourself, so how is this a problem in my, well, the quality of friends that you choose will stem from that messaging that you don't matter, you're, you're not important, I'm going to put people in front of, you know, people ahead of me, uh, you will end up losing your voice in a relationship. Uh, this is how people end up uh, becoming doormats. This is how people end up losing their, their stance on things. People will start to um, want to fit in. So it's very important to understand that our messaging growing up can cause us to choose people in our adulthood that will bring on toxic behaviors in our lives and it will take away from our own mental health uh, um, stability. Another message that you could have had growing up and it could have affected you as an adult, if you were raised by parents who were never wrong, they never take responsibility to something that they said that was wrong, they don't come back and repair, they don't come back and say, I'm sorry, they never showed that you mattered, and even if you were right, they don't come back and validate. The result can be an adult who sacrifices part of who they are in an attempt to keep peace. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You know, we, we have these friends. It's okay, whatever you, whatever you guys want. What do you want to eat? Whatever you want. Where do you want to go eat? Whatever you want. They don't take an initiative to make a decision. They allow people to make decisions for them, even if they don't like it, just to keep peace. They're not very confrontive. They don't want problems. They want people's happiness because they don't want to hear it because they are trained that they don't matter, their voice doesn't matter, and even if they're right, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna listen. If you were raised by a parent with fear, the result can be an adult who doesn't fully trust that love can come without consequences. This is where we see a lot of people get stuck in abusive relationships. This is when people just get little drops of love and they hold on to anybody who loves them, and even if that person is hurting them physically, mentally, or emotionally, because they learned that love needs to be earned. There's a lot of fear from authority. The authority figure was not um, a safe place for them to go to. So they learned later on as they choose spouses and they choose friends, even if those people are abusive and abrasive and aggressive with them, it's okay. It's okay to choose them because they love them. 
even if they give them a little drop of love. And this is how people end up chasing toxic people or, un, or emotionally unavailable people. Nowadays, we see a lot of uh, young girls, you know, chasing love in all the wrong places and, and young men. And then when you stop and look at the patterns, you have to take it back to childhood. They used to chase their parents for love. Their parents either were not available, they did not validate them, they didn't give them time. So this is the essence of inner child. You get to see how that is playing now out in your life. The last scenario is if you grew up in a house where you had to be the parent, this took away from your own well-being and your own childhood stepping stones, you needed to prepare you for your adulthood. You find yourself making so many mistakes as an adult because you did not take your time to integrate these lessons growing up because you were too busy caring for your parents because they were either immature or they couldn't or they didn't have the emotional capacity or they did not take the responsibility of parenting a child. So you had to step up in a very early age to do that. So just reflect on the different messaging, reflect on the different, you know, the different things that we listed, the list that we listed and see if that is resonating with you and, and, and really evaluate the quality of people you keep in your life. And that should give you a guidance into, do I need to repair my inner child or am I in a good supportive place? I think that was something we brought up in the last episode too, where we talked about, it wasn't last episode, it was episode number two, where we talked about um, this idea of watering dead plants, chasing after people who are, again, emotionally unavailable or are not supportive in any way of or form of, of your decisions, of your achievements. Um, and people, we just kind of, as we've, Selwa and I have grown older, we've just kind of learned that those people are not the ones we need in our in our circle. We need people that are going to support us in any way, shape or form. And if we are taking a step in the wrong direction, they might call us out on it or try to be like, hey, maybe reconsider this. Mm -hmm. We realized that when we were younger, we were giving away too much of ourselves to other people who wouldn't do the same for us. And you know, that's when we decided that we need to change that, you know, we need to create clear boundaries with people, and that it was okay to say no, and not to be, you know, such people pleasers and pushovers. Um, so we've been working on that. And, you know, we have that analogy, like Laiba said, of watering dead plants, and now watering your own soil, where you focus on yourself and nourishing um, your own mental health. I like that. Watering your own soil? Yeah. Water your own soil. Very nice. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. That way you grow, as our title is for the podcast episode, Couple of Buds Ready to Bloom as Flowers in Bloom. Watering our own soil helps promote our own growth and inner self-growth as well. Very good. And the more you grow, the quality of people around you changes and you'll start allowing people to grow around you, like in a healthy way. Yes. Yes, exactly. And it's always a really nice relief and change when you kind of let go of someone in your life that has been affecting and you really don't realize this until they are out of your life that they really have been bringing you down and draining your energy mentally. Um, just the stuff that they ask from you or they don't give back or again, just not support. Very true. And that takes a lot of maturity and uh, inner awareness about 
where you want to go in your life, because it's not easy to get up and cut off somebody, except especially if you've had, you've been friends with them for such a long time, but that indicates growth, maturity, and self-love, like really knowing what's best for you and not putting emotions in the way, like really think, is this serving me? Is this supporting me? Is this the direction I'm going? So, yeah, it could be difficult, but if, when, if it's done, like you said, it brings a sense of freedom. Your friends at Titan Radio would like to remind you that all Black Lives Matter. The fight to end racism and instill equity at CSUF and across America is nowhere near complete. Please do everything you can to help fight racism in your communities. I had a general question. I know we, or you talked about how we have, or there are people that have traumatized past and that kind of affects their inner child to the present day. And, but you also mentioned that us in general have also an inner child, all of us do. Um, So what are some ways to figure out us common people that maybe haven't had as traumatic uh, experiences in the past, figure out maybe how we're implementing the inner child in our daily life today, or what, what are some indications that we're kind of referring back to our past or, or our inner child and reaching into there? Very good question. Learning more about our inner child will help us examine where we're at in our relationship, starting with our relationship with our creator, because from that relationship stems every other relationship. He, Allah is the intimate, is the ultimate an infinite source of healing and love and trust and and mercy and forgiveness. And as we are maturing and we're making better choices for ourselves, as Muslims, we know that we have another stop that we're going to after this world. And the ultimate self-care is to invest in that relationship. The more you have an intact and intimate and close and connected and solid relationship with Allah, Allah will put the right pieces in your life, including the people. If you notice at times when you get closer to Allah, Allah chooses to clean your life from certain people. Before you know it, your heart stops being attached to certain people or friends. You stop texting them. You stop seeing them because your your heart is really turning. When we make the supplication, oh, the, the turner of the heart, turn our heart towards you. You truly are turning your heart. Whatever you're facing, now you're, you're not facing anymore. Everything is behind you, including the way you invest your time, choose your friends, you choose to forgive and make choices. After your relationship with the creator, you have the relationship with your parents. Now, God knows that not all of us will have easygoing parents especially those who are raised in a different culture than your parents were raised in, you're also facing um, generational trauma. You have been raised with whatever trauma your parents were raised in and your grandparents were raised in. And depending on where they came from, whatever was historically happening in that land, you're, you're subconsciously carrying it and it's affecting you. And sometimes your parent parent from that lens and that lens can be limited. That's why examining your relationship with your parents is very important. You know, I see a lot of uh, therapists on Instagram, when they talk about boundaries, they talk about you need to cut off people who are not good for you and good for your mental health. And you need to, 
it's great to establish healthy boundaries, but we are Muslims and Muslims don't cut off their parents. Islam does not say that you need to be an, you need to be an abusive, uh, disrespectful, degrading relationship. If your parents are that kind of people, yes, you need to put boundaries and you need to distance yourself from them. But if you have difficult parents, you have stubborn parents, you have parents who don't understand your world. If you have parents that uh, who, um, you know, they want you to be doctors and lawyers and certain professionals, these are the difficult moments that you need to lean in and expand your, your, your relationship skills. If you run away and you push away these kind of relationship and you keep labeling them as, let's say, old school or they don't get it or they don't understand, you will encounter the same difficulties somewhere else. You have your parents for a reason and you don't get to escape that lesson in life. If it's difficult for you to bond with your dad, you're going to have difficult time bonding with men outside of your home. Husbands, coaches, teachers, professors, co-workers, bosses, uh, husbands, um, sons one day. And the same thing with the mom. If you push away your mom's relationship, you're missing out on finding out who you are as a woman and learning how to deal with yourself from your maternal side. And as a man, you will miss out on your, on your ability to, to learn who you are around a woman, which is your mother. So we, I know some of us have difficult parents, but we don't get to drop them. We don't get to just leave them be and just ignore them. We get to find our inner strength in expanding ourselves. They are who they are. We get to work on ourselves. We get to bring something new. And I know it's difficult. No matter how long you live with your parents, you're going to leave them one day. You're going to look back. And if you haven't learned certain lessons from childhood, you're going to miss out on implementing it in your adulthood. So having a relationship with Allah and having a relationship with your parents is, are very important for you to show you who you really are. If you really want to know who you are, see how God is using you in this world. See where you're at in your relationship with Allah. I want you to keep in mind that there is a, a certain amount of anxiety, stress, and sadness in this world that Allah, when he created this world, he put it in this world. So we will always go back to him. So if you sometimes feel sad or anxious or depressed due to your upbringing or due to your situations or due to whatever you're feeling or going through, just remember that that's part of God's design. And if we don't have that relationship with him, we will always feel that way. You can go to therapists, you can take medications, you can go to psychiatrists, but as believers, God created us and he knows what's best for us. And he told us, come to me, come back to me. That is really the ultimate healing in any mental health uh, um, uh, theory. So relationship with God, relationship with your, with, with your parents and then relationship with yourself. What do you tell yourself? How do you talk to yourself? How do you handle yourself? Do you have boundaries? Do you stop yourself from overeating, overbuying, overdrinking, over, overstaying up? Are you a balanced person when you speak? When you speak, what do you say? Are you cussing and, 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 and always angry? Or do you make sense and you draw people to you? As believers, we are people of purpose. We are here to benefit ourselves and benefit people around us. So if we are going around in, in this world not knowing who we are and where we stand in our different relationships, we won't know what to look at. So these kind of relationships will give us 
the blueprints to our inner child. Because our inner child, whatever we need to look at, will come up in these, in these, in these uh, relationships. I hope that answered your question. Yes, that did. It was very helpful. And so I know we get caught up in this world a lot, school, work, just on our phone, social media, and we kind of forget to stop and reflect. And so in terms of our inner child, how, what steps or what processes would you recommend to kind of stop neglecting our inner child and kind of prioritize healing ourselves and working on ourselves rather than trying to please others and kind of carrying that trauma from our past. Healing is a choice. You need to choose to want to heal. No matter how many times I'll give you a number to a therapist, or I'll tell you, come to this support group, or hey, get on this Zoom call, they're talking about mental health. If it's not in within you to want to heal, it will not, your journey won't start. So it's a choice. Why do I say that you need to choose it? Because it's not going to be always comfortable. If I tell you, you know, for this, you need to go to therapy. Therapy is not going to be a walk in the park. You're not going to make friends with the therapist. Yeah, you, she's going to be, he or she going to be kind and welcoming and caring and all that. But you're not there to look at how are we compatible? No, we're, you're there to look at your good, bad, and the ugly. You're, look, you're there to look at the dark side and the light side and all of it. You're there to revisit some painful events that happened. So you need to truly choose it and be fully committed to it. You need to, as I, I cannot emphasize enough, the connection with Allah. We need to have a good connection with Allah. You need to have your five daily prayers intact. This world will take us in all sorts of directions. Pain, joy, love, money, career, education. It will keep pulling us. It will keep pulling us. Remember, the, the shaitan in the Quran promised Allah that I will decorate this world. I will distract them. So if we don't have our five daily prayers for us to stop and say, you know, I'm going to go pray. And then you come out of your prayer recharged, you will miss out on a great deal of healing within you that you can just have, you know, a, a healthy way to implement it on, on, on daily basis. You need to develop self-compassion. Sometimes when we realize that we have done certain things that allowed people to hurt us or to cheat on us or to mistrust us or betray us, sometimes we can internalize self-blame and we can take it hard on ourselves. Like, how could I? How could I allow him to do this to me? How did I allow her to do this to me? So you need to stop and have self-compassion and say, I didn't know then what I know now and I'm ready to heal and I'm ready to grow and I'm ready to um, to, to learn. You get to be soft with yourself. You get to be gentle. No matter who was harsh with you and who was very hard with you, you get to be very gentle with yourself. Therapy is key for inner child work. You cannot sit there and have a cup of coffee with your friend. Your friends have limits. You can't overwhelm them over and over and over with your stuff. Before you know it, they will start, you know, avoiding you because not everybody wants to be around negative energy you get to go and process it in privacy and in private sorry and then you get to release it over many many sessions with your with your therapist in the privacy of the therapy room like you don't have to expose yourself also part of healing when you are sharing with friends and families you don't know what kind of advice they'll give you you don't know if they're going to put it in your face later on you don't know if you want to keep their friendship after you grow from this stage so just 
just take care of yourself and don't expose yourself. I know we have best friends, but we also have boundaries even with those friendships just to protect yourself. And all of that is supposed to uh, work on increasing your self-worth. You need to know that you matter. You need to know that you're important. You need to know that your healing will bring healing to so many people. You need to know that the company you keep is important. The friends that keep whispering in your ears because at the end of the day, their voice is going to be your inner voice. So make sure that you love yourself enough to let go of any toxicity of anyone who gossips, anyone who is two-faced, anyone who is not sincere. These are the people that you don't want to have around you. And remember, your faith goes up and down. You're not going to always be so good with your prayers and so good with your, your spiritual level. So make sure you have good, solid Muslim friends because you need to lean on each other. When they are down, you, you lift them up. And when, when you're down, they lift you up. It's wonderful to have all sorts of friends and diverse you know, circle of friends, but we still need to have people where we go and get our advice who will get us closer to Allah. You could have you know, Christian friends and Mormon friends and Jewish friends and all kinds of friends. It's beautiful. You learn from their traditions and their culture, but make sure when you need an advice for you to get, do better uh, as a Muslima, as a believer, you need to have your close Muslim friends and nothing starts without the forgiveness piece. And it's really hard. A lot of people are stuck in pain because they won't forgive. Forgiveness is not for the person. You might be sitting there listening to this and you have so much hatred or sadness or upsetness from your mother or your dad or your brother or your sister or a cousin or a best friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or somebody who had really, really truly hurt you. You opened your arms and hearts to them and they completely betrayed you. They exposed you. They neglected you. They did not love you back. Every one of us have some sort of pain. And there is, bless, there is a blessing in what's missing, my friends, because that broken part will take us back to Allah. That's the way that we will remember that this world is not perfect. These people are not perfect and we need to go back to Allah. We need to start with forgiveness. And I really want to highlight when you hold on to anger and resentment, it gets processed in your liver. Your liver rejuvenates itself twice a year. So imagine you are putting so much anger and resentments, you will actually slow down the natural flow of your organs. You will have pale skin, you will have foggy you know, thinking, you will always look lethargic and you will have chronic pain because your body is holding on to all this anger and resentment. I remind you of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, may peace and blessing be upon him when, when a man came to him and he said, give me an advice. And he said, don't get angry. He said, what else? Don't get angry. Don't get angry. Because anger really, truly, it, it changes your brain cells and it hold, makes you hold on to this energy and you cannot go on with natural flow. It will make you not trust the next person. You will, it, it will make you bleed on people that did not hurt you. So forgiveness is the first step you need to do whenever you're working with your inner child. You need to forgive yourself for not knowing better. You need to forgive those who hurt you. But that doesn't mean you want to have a BFF kind of a relationship with them. That doesn't mean you want to run to them and you want to have them in your life. That doesn't mean you're going to all of a sudden fall in love with your mom and dad, but you're going to have some sort of 
uh, relationship with them because at the end of the day, as believers, our parents have haq, they have rights, and we need to fulfill those rights and they need to fulfill those rights. So these are the, the, the steps that I would say, and just to recap them, make sure that you know it's a choice. You need to lean in, connecting with, with the divine. You need to establish self-compassion. Therapy is a great place to start. Increasing your self-worth and forgiveness. The only way we can beat the coronavirus pandemic is together. Be sure to wear a face covering and social distance whenever you go out. Stay safe, Titans. So, Sister Iman, you've given us the steps on how to heal our inner child. What about, um, like, do you have any tips or exercises that we could implement in our daily lives? Our daily life needs to revolve around our self-care, really. At the end of the day, you are the most important person in your own universe. Each and every one of us had a little universe, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't take care of you, people will start treating you the way you treat yourself. So if you neglect yourself, people will think you don't matter. If you don't put yourself first, people will, will forget about you. So make sure you're taking care of yourself. Start in the morning as believers with your salah. Do not miss your salah. Your fajr, that's when Allah divides up the benefits and, and your creed for the day. That's when Allah divides up whatever he's going to give you of hasanat and good deeds and, and whatever he intends of you to get of blessings. It happens at fajr. Make sure you don't miss your fajr every morning, your first prayer. Uh, exercise. Whenever we have these, um, like if you heard the list earlier or you heard the different messaging and all the different ways that you could have encountered uh, different upbringings, it might just move like things inside of you, start triggering you. Make sure you exercise every single day. It, challenge, it channels the toxins and the, and the negative energy out of you. It rejuvenates you and it's good for your waistline and it's good for your health. You're taking care of yourself. Exercise every single day. Even if you walk for 20 minutes, make sure you incorporate that. Journaling is very healthy. Just make sure you keep it somewhere safe. Nobody's going to read it. <laughs> so journaling, you could once a day, uh, you can do it in the morning. Or you can do it before you go to sleep. Sometimes if you have heavy things to share with your journal, maybe it's hard for you to share it and then go to bed. So maybe in the morning, just find, it, find your routine. Find what works for you. Uh, again, therapy and education, awareness, attend different classes, attend, attend trainings. We are blessed to be online. You know, every day there's something happening. I recently was invited to a, a, an app called Clubhouse. And there is a, there is a, there is a page there, Muslim mental health and uh, Islamic psyche or something like that. And they really bring different topics and different speakers. And I, I really recommend that you use social media in, a, in benefit to you. Uh, keep good friends, balance your, um, your social media use. Sometimes if you feel yourself overwhelmed, you can just disconnect, take some time off. Like in Ramadan, I disconnect. I take some time off. Even if I don't disconnect, I just don't post. And I really go in. And I go inward and I really work on things that I would have for my like goals. Uh, make sure you have healthy sleep hygiene. I know college uh, students have crazy unpredictable schedules. Make sure you don't stay up all night and only sleep two hours. Your body has helped, it has rights on you. 
So make sure you take care of your body, especially we are in a pandemic. You need to make sure your immune system is good. This is um, an, an advice. It could be universal, but it won't be heard universally. When you get your heart romantically involved with somebody and you cannot fulfill that commitment that could come with that engagement, you are really setting your heart into trauma over and over and over. As Muslims, I'm often asked, how come Muslim kids cannot date? Go ahead, date. You're gonna get your heart involved with this one and broken and this one and this one and this one. As Muslims, Islam is designed to empower us, to protect us and to give us honor and status. And Allah wants us to enter a commitment if we can follow through in it. And I know we live in a society that is not a Muslim society, but we get to really embrace the teachings of Islam because it was set for any time, any place until the end of time. And it will never be, um, it will never look normal to be a Muslim. And the Prophet said, Islam came in a strange time and it will end in a strange time. It will always be strange to wear hijab. It will always be strange for men to have the long beard and pray five times a day in the middle of Cal State Fullerton campuses. It will always look strange. We get to know that we are here not to fit in. We're here to stand out, to work on our identity. Not everything out there we get ourselves involved in. We don't get sucked into traditions and practices that are not good for us. I often see Muslim uh, young boys and girls falling in love and breaking up and falling in love and breaking up. That is not from our tradition of Islam because, it is, because Islam is not here for you to get hurt like that. Eventually you will become emotionally unavailable because you have so much hurt that, that accumulated in your heart that you don't even know how to chip it away. Or romantic relationship will end up being, it's not a big deal, ah, we broke up, it's not a big deal. So we need to make sure whatever commitment we get into, we are able to follow through out of protecting ourselves and out of respecting ourselves. That goes back to self-worth. So make sure that if you are involved in romantic relationship, ask yourself, is this somebody I wanna take the next step with? If it's not, really truly be respectful to yourself and break it off. Don't enter something that will bring you sadness and anxiety and depression for nothing. I know we have the urges, Put that urges in yourself. Educate yourself, go to therapy, exercise, keep good friends, uh, you know, increase your spirituality, um, you know, tips, not tips, but daily uh, routines, and really focus on, on, on enhancing your life. So these are the different tips for healing. Wow, I'll definitely have to start implementing all of them. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. I wanted to bring up a, a point. Mm -hmm. You know, when we talk about mental health in the Muslim community, I don't want it to sound as if it's a new concept to Islam. Mm -hmm. The way Allah designed Islam, it's complete the way it is. It doesn't need to be reformed. Nothing needs to be added to it. Nothing needs to be taken away from it. And we need to, as Muslim, embrace that. Just because our parents raised us in a certain way and limited cultural Islam, that doesn't mean that's the essence of Islam. That doesn't mean that's the teachings of Islam. Usually parents teach us 
what are people going to say about us before they say, what does Allah want from us? Because they are also raised that way. We get to go back to the first command in Quran when the Quran came down on the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, when he was in seclusion in, in, in the, in the uh, cave. Um, Jibreel told him, the angel Jibreel said, Iqra, read. Islam is a personal responsibility upon each and every one of us. Just because we are born Muslim, that doesn't mean it's going it's to carry us through. We need to study Islam. We need to carve out time to understand what Allah wants from us. We will never understand the Salah or accept hijab or accept conservative lifestyle or, or accept anything that comes with Islam unless we have true knowledge of why we do what we do and who is Allah. I personally, after finishing my degrees, I went to an, uh, a seminary program through a, through a school called Institute of Knowledge in Diamond Bar. And they do have different levels of earning Islamic degrees, Islamic studies degrees. And um, you can do it online. And it really opened up my eyes to a lot of cultural practices that were very limiting, very limiting. The things that we do and the things that we say and the things that we implement, even you know, social interactions, it was all stemming from culture. And when you peel away culture, you're left with the essence, the sweetness of Islam. You start looking at yourself differently. You start being really proud of being Muslim. There's no more, I want to fit in. I don't feel comfortable. I don't know. I... And you stop looking at Islam from the lens of haram and halal, you know, permissible and permissible. We can't do this. It's all about the clothing. It's all about the hair. It stops being that because now your relationship with Allah is on a much deeper level. So Islam in itself is complete. And every other science that has been discovered by man, of course, Allah allowed them to discover it, but it all falls under the umbrella of Islam, including mental health. It is imperative to take note that Muslim physicians and philosophers of the past, such as Al-Razi and Al-Balki, acknowledged the reality of mental illnesses and advocated for a balanced approach to well-being by integrating both physiological and physical aspects of health. The golden age of Islam in the eighth century, it saw the first construction of the world's first mental hospitals and psychiatric wards. So this was never taught in my mental health program. They just started with Freud. They started with Jung. They did not implement this. And this was way before that. So Islam is the driving force of all these sciences, including mental health. So when we say that mental health is a taboo in the Muslim culture, in the Muslim community, that's because of the cultural understanding. That's because of those people who choose not to take that step. But Islam does emphasize the importance of mental health and pursuing therapy and taking medications because the psychiatrist at that time did prescribe medication. So I just wanted to make sure we emphasize that since we are part of a Muslim club here. Yeah. And what can we do to make mental health uh, less of a taboo in the Muslim community? The more we are bringing up topics and having programs like this and bringing awareness, the better it is. 
And we need to start having these hard conversations with our parents and say, you know what, I do want to you know, pursue therapy. And we will be asked about these resources. Allah will ask us, didn't I give you resources for you to live a better life? Didn't I provide you with specialists? Didn't, didn't I provide you with therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists? And we have so many, we're so blessed here in SoCal. We have so many of them that who are Muslims and they will understand your background. So the more we are vocal about, you know, improving our mental health, the more that we engage in talks and bring on speakers and have programs like this, the more it will become the norm in our, in our different communities, inshallah. Yeah, I do see it in our in high school kids and college kids, especially it's we get again, we just get so caught up in the classes we're taking the homework we're getting not sleeping, that we kind of forget to pause and check, have a self kind of check and make sure that we're we're balanced within ourselves mentally. And um, I think quarantine has freed up a lot of time for people to kind of think and realize maybe we're not as healthy mentally as we thought we were, or maybe we were ignoring it just because how distracted and kind of busy we were with life. Absolutely. This quarantine lifestyle, and, and this is the anniversary, I think this is the month where everything went um, quarantine lifestyle here in SoCal. It was a divine intervention globally. And it didn't hit one population or one religion, everyone, everything became like, like went through a complete stop overnight. And we got to, most of us, most of us just went in deep sleep for two weeks, <laughs> nonstop sleep because our body, our bodies were exhausted. The running around that we do without thinking all the times that we see a yes to events and things and people and outings without really being present to it and how it's affecting us. It's really giving us, like you said, an opportunity for us to reflect and take two steps back. So wait a minute. Whoa, I was part of all of that. I don't want to be part of all of that. And we get to be now choosing of the people we want to spend time with and the things we want to get involved in. And look, you guys came up with this podcast. You wouldn't have had the opportunity yeah. to stop and think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I feel like especially for me, I was involved in so much and I still am involved in a lot that was draining my energy and I felt that I was super tired all the time during quarantine where I didn't even want to talk to people anymore like I I would just like see messages and just like close my phone I didn't want to do anything to do with being social you know um so I find now that being involved in less um activities is really really um helpful very good so what are some ways that you to take care of yourselves in lightness well um I like talking to my family. I find that um, they're a really, really huge stress reliever for me. And um, I spend time with them. Like I can go on hikes or being immersed in nature, especially um, being alone in nature. It's super calming. I just like listen to the sounds, just feel the breeze around me. It, that That's how I take care of myself. And really- As believers, we believe that nature is in a state of dhikr, remembrance. That's why when you go to nature, you feel rejuvenated. You come back from the ocean, it's different rejuvenation than you come back from taking a walk in, you know, a lot of trees around you, different than, than when you have gone to mountains. So it's, 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 it's in a constant state of remembrance and it's actually one of the, the key healing agents whenever we have somebody who has depression, we ask them to walk in nature every day to rejuvenate. 
I like to um, give myself some time at the end of the day, especially. Um, I, when, before quarantine happened, I tended to take really early morning classes, wake up super drained and out of it, go to classes, come home, take a nap, get up, do some homework. I might take a second nap. So I was kind of, I had a really unhealthy pattern of like homework to, to prioritizing myself and time management skills. And I still sometimes, do, I'm still working on it, but I've kind of learned to maybe slow life down a little mm-hmm. and also make sure that I myself am giving myself time to do something I like to do and I'm not constantly working on schoolwork. And so I've managed my time better. I try to make sure I'm sleeping at least nine hours a night um, if not more, <laughs> but um, I, I also love to journal. It's something that I started doing, maybe I would say middle school-ish. Um, now I just use the notes app on my phone because it's easier and I'm able to get mm. more th- more thoughts out faster instead of writing it down. Um, but it's it's definitely a good way to kind of vent and let out steam without actually you know, letting out steam on someone or like, again, burdening them with my thoughts and constantly going to them and complaining, kind of, so. Very good. I enjoy Pure Bar classes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pure Bar. It's the uh, movement of ballet. It's supposed to, um, it's an exercise that strengthen your core, your lower back and your buttocks because now we're sitting a lot. Yes. I like walking. I like to do face mask at home once a week, my me time, my girly girly time. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy my (laughs) cup of coffee in the morning alone. And you know, recently I took, I take out my phone from my bedroom at night and I turn off the ringers and I don't even um, charge it in the, in, in, in the, in the bedroom. I just take it out because I know if I wake up in the middle of the night, whatever, I'm going to check it. No, 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 no. Out, out, out. So that is also a way for you to have a better quality sleep. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I'm also guilty of checking social media in the morning. I've noticed that I've started doing that more as um, the longer we've been in quarantine. And, you know, I'm realizing that habit. I don't like it. It's <laughs> I don't like looking at social media first thing in the morning. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's a bad start to the day, I think. Yeah. You'd rather wake up feeling refreshed and, yeah. you know, uh, rejuvenated. It's well, at weird. least you're aware of it, mm-hmm. which is good. That's good. Yeah, social media can really affect our mental health, especially if we look at certain posts. You're like, oh, what about me? Yeah. 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 yeah I want to be out and about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's very important as we are gaining more knowledge about our mental health and inner child and all these topics that we are reading about and listening about it's very important for us not to go to that source of of pain and have a confrontation with them um so if you have a problem with your dad or mom people might misunderstand this message that i'm inviting them to go and have a conversation with them you already have grown they did their best or they didn't do their best, you're left to deal with whatever you can do on your level. Usually when you go and confront people, 
you will end up triggering yourself with more pain because usually people don't want to take any responsibilities. So just go on with your healing journey. Start with your forgiveness and choose a good person that you would find it's a match, a therapist that will help you through it and, um, and start your journey all on your own. And you might find yourself want to come back and tell them, you know, this hurts and that hurts and this hurts. I ask you to just process it in therapy because you don't want to instigate more pain and more sadness. And I wish you all healing. I wish you all self-awareness and growth. And just remember, as the Prophet ﷺ taught us um, in the hadith where he said, Allah created everything on earth and he created an, a cure for it. So you might not completely heal, but you will gain new understanding so you can go on in life. People think that this uh, inner child, you know, pain, when you go to therapy, it's going to go away. It's not going to go away. You can't just unlearn something that you've experienced, but you could learn skills of how to cope with it every time it comes up or every time you find yourself choosing a friendship or a relationship out of that broken, that, uh, that sad or painful place. So keep that in mind as you go on your healing journeys. Yes. Thank you so oh. much. And thank you everybody for tuning into episode number four, where we had our first guest speaker talk about um, the idea of our inner child and ways we can heal and improve and work on ourselves. Another reminder that we are on Instagram. Yes, it's at couple of buds ready to bloom. Please send us any questions or topic suggestions you have. We would love to hear them. And Sister Iman, thank Sime, you again. If you want to plug in your Instagram so people can visit you as well. It's just Sorry, my, my first and last name. I-M-A-N-S-A-Y-M-E-H. You're more than welcome to follow. I do dedicate that platform to raise awareness about mental health. You are more than welcome to join. Thank you. See you guys all next week. This has been a production of Titan Internet Radio. Stay a while listening to the following program. Hey, come on, come on, those are priceless. Okay, you know what, now say like...